0: There was a story in the news recently that some of you may have seen that I just found incredibly fascinating. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. Uh, The young man there on the right is Coach Tony Bennett. He is the head basketball coach at the University of Virginia. Uh, Last year, uh, for the first time in 35 years, uh, Coach Bennett led the University of uh, Virginia Cavaliers to the final four uh, of the college basketball championship. Uh, Not only that, they went on and for the first time in history, led them to win the National College Basketball Championship. It was a huge, huge deal, huge, huge milestones. So it wasn't surprising that uh, this year, uh, following all of that, you know that college sports has a lot of money, a lot of revenue through, through television and all that that goes to the schools that win. Um, they offered uh, the coach, they were giving him a quite sizable raise, a pretty nice increase in salary for leading them to, to, to great success. That wasn't really surprising. The surprising thing was, Coach Bennett said he did not want the raise. Instead, he said, I appreciate that, but here's what he said. I thought this was so cool. He said, I'm blessed beyond what I deserve, and I am paid well to be a basketball coach. I don't need any more money. I would ask instead that you would defer all of that money to my staff and to the University of of Virginia basketball program that we might be able to do a little bit more than we're doing. It was an incredible deal. Not only that, then he and his wife, Laurel, decided to take that a step further. They approached the president of the university and said, my wife and I would actually like to give $500,000 over the next several years to the University of Virginia for the athletes in a developmental program. He said, athletes make a pretty big sacrifice when they play. He said, obviously, they're given an education and obviously they are given a lot. He said, but you know, the athletes, because of their participation in sports, don't, aren't able to take advantage of internships and a lot of programs that will really help them in the real world when they have to get real jobs. And he said, we would like to give money that would help to develop that kind of program. Everybody was just blown away. Now, Coach Bennett is is an open openly Christian man who prays with the players who uh, always gives credit to God for his success uh, when he's interviewed or people talk to him about how he's able to do what he's done. This was, I thought, just a remarkable show uh, of character and leadership. I, I love what he said in the, in the, in the art, one article that I read. I just thought this was so cool. And he's just a just this great man. This is just a great framing for him. It said, he says, if my life is just about winning championships, if it's just about being the best then I'm running in the wrong race. That's empty, he said. But if it's about trying to be excellent and doing things the right way, if it's to honor the university that hired you and the athletic director you work for and the young men that you're coaching and always in that process trying to bring glory to God, then that is the right thing. I don't know about you, when I when I saw this article and when I read saw the interview, I, I just felt you know what we need more leaders like that, amen. And that's what I want to I want to talk about today. Uh, we're in this series called Upside Down, and we've been looking at the way that Jesus kind of flipped us upside down on how to look at this world. Now, I want to be honest with you. Of all of these things that we talk about that Jesus uses in contrast to the world, there is probably nothing that Jesus contrasts more than this whole idea of power and leadership. Jesus completely flipped this from the way that people look at it. Now, I want to look at a passage of Scripture with you. If you want to take your uh, sermon outlines out, you can track along with me. We have Bibles on the back of the pews. Uh, Those Bibles are our gift to you. If you'd like to take a Bible home, feel free to do that or to give to someone. Those are our gift to you. But I want you to look at this startling passage. Now, I want you to think about it. Let's frame this for just a second. Imagine for just a moment, you're one of the 12 disciples, and you're following Jesus, and you're watching him, uh, his notoriety just grow and grow, and crowds are following you everywhere. And people are chanting his name and you get to be a part of all of that think about how they're thinking about leadership and and where this is going to take them, and then look at what Jesus says throw the passage up here would you please and so Jesus called them together and he said you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them but among you it will be different read it out loud with me whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your, must be your what? Your servant. And he says, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Now read the last sentence out loud as well. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you understand how upside down that was for them? I mean, the disciples were used to religious leaders who were all full of themselves, who, who were all about being pompous and grand, and, and who made a big display of who they were and how much they knew. And all of a sudden, the King of kings and Lord of lords made and created the universe, walks on earth, and he says, I didn't come for you to serve me. I came to serve you. That's upside down. Now I want to I want to unpack this with you today, um, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, "Oh boy, I get off today because I'm not a leader." <laughs> now, if you have influence, you're a leader. If you have influence, you're a leader. You know, when we talk about leadership, we usually think about people in positions, but sometimes the most powerful leaders are people who have no position at all, but they have a lot of influence on the people around them. Now look at me, and I want you to repeat this out loud after me. Leadership is a gift from God. Let's say it again. Leadership is a gift from God. Now here's my question to you. How are you using that gift? You see, if you're a parent you're a leader. If you're a grandparent, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're a coach, you're a leader. If you assist in any way where you have influence on other people, you're a leader. Here's the only question. What kind of leader are you? Now, I tried to step back and, and with this message, and it really should be a whole sermon series, but let me try in the next two hours to unpack this for you as quickly as I, as I can. No, I won't be that long, I promise. I want to, first of all, just talk about what what really is servant leadership? What really is it? You ready? Here we go. First of all, it's about being meek, not being weak. It's about being meek, not being weak. When Jesus was teaching, he, he would tell the crowd, learn of me because I am meek and humble of heart. Now, how many of you think Jesus was weak? Don't you dare hold your hand up. Here here again, here is the one who was all powerful. And yet he said, learn of me because I am meek. And I think sometimes when we we think of the word meek, we think of timid people. We we, we think of people who are kind of pushovers. But that's not the meaning of that word at all. The word meek, and it's also translated some places in the New Testament as the word gentle, is actually a word that means strength under control. Strength that's under control control. It, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you've got somebody who's having to show you how strong they are, you and I, you know what you and I know? They're not really as strong as they think they are. Because people who know that they're strong, they don't have to demonstrate it. And that's what, what, what Jesus is talking about here. He's asking the question, are you enough of a servant leader that when you have power, you don't have to display it? When you have the ability to do, are you able to keep that under the control of God's Holy Spirit? Leaders sometimes need to be very strong, but they need to be gentle with that. In fact, I love this quote. I saw this years ago, and I just thought this was so awesome. There is nothing so strong as gentleness, and there is nothing so gentle as real strength give you a second thought about, about uh, being servant leaders. It's about leading with authority and not being an authoritarian. It's about leading with authority, but not being an authoritarian. There's a difference between the two. I, I love how in the Gospels, um, Jesus is often referred to when he taught. People would say he teaches as someone who has authority. Now, what were they talking about? Here's what they meant. It was saying, you know what? He teaches like someone who knows what he's talking about. In other words, he had a, a quiet confidence about him. He didn't have to tell people, get in line, People could tell by the way that he said what he said that he knew what he was talking about. Now, I want you to look at me for a second because here's what I want you to understand. When, When we're talking about being a leader, whether it's to your family or your company or wherever it may be, one of the things you need to understand is that people look for leadership. People look for leadership. They want to know that there's someone in, in, at, the, at the helm here. They want to know that there is someone confident that knows where they're going and what they're doing. People will look to leadership. But what they don't want is someone who's an authoritarian, who just loves to boss everybody around. Yeah, How many of you know some people like that? Yeah yeah, how many of you brought them with you today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the back. Oh, yeah, both hands. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. But it's about being an authority, not being an authoritarian. Here's another one. And when we talk about being a servant leader, it doesn't mean that you never have to confront people, or you never have to be strong with people because you do, but it's about politely confronting and not publicly criticizing. It's about politely confronting. Not publicly criticizing. How you can almost always tell if a leader is not sure of themselves is how they correct someone in front of other people. You see, because leaders who aren't sure of themselves, leaders who, who, who have, are, are questioning their own ability to lead, they, they, they love to put other people down. They love to do that publicly because that, that shows how strong they are. But when you're confident as a leader, you don't have to do that. You, you can go to people privately and say, "Well, I love you, man, but you messed up. And you need to confess you messed up. You messed up, didn't you? Did. Come on, the whole congregation, <laughs> tell them loud. You messed up, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. one of the things that we talk about a lot in leadership when you're creating a culture is that you praise people publicly, but you only bring correction to them privately. Amen? Look at me, parents. And that's generally true with children too. I know there are times we have to pull our children aside. I know there are times we have to correct them. And I know there are times publicly they're acting out and we have to take them out. But can we just agree together? Good parenting seeks not to humiliate the child. Amen? Yeah. That gets me to the last one. When, When we discipline, it's disciplining in brokenness and not in anger. It's disciplining in brokenness, and not in anger. You know, years ago, I, I was at a, a pastor's conference, and there was a, a, just a, a great uh, African-American uh, pastor named Ron Fowler that I grew up around that I just regarded as a, as, as a great mentor and, and example. And I remember him preaching to us pastors, and he he made a statement that I always thought was really interesting. He said, if if you're if you're preaching a prayer, a, a sermon of judgment, he said, if you're really preaching a sermon of judgment and, and the hellfire and brimstone of God, he said, if you if you can do that without a broken heart, you really shouldn't be preaching it. That stuck with me. Because what he says is that when you know you have to come down on somebody, when you have to lean in somebody, when you have to bring correction or discipline to somebody, your heart ought to break for them. Look at me. Hear this loud and clear. When you're a real true servant leader, you regard relationships more valuable to you than your rights. And you may have the right to discipline them, but you want to do it in a way That to the best of your ability preserves that relationship. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, let's talk about it. You say how can you be a better servant leader? How can you be a better servant leader at home, at work, church, wherever you find yourself? How how can you do that? You ready? Let me give you a few things and you can pick your poison here this morning. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Confront your insecurity. Confront your insecurity. Okay, come on. It's just does. How many of you be honest enough to admit publicly you have some insecurities from time to time? Yeah, and that's one of the things that gets a, gets in, in in the way of us when we're trying to lead on on, on all levels. I, I thought this was just an astounding story. Throw that picture up on the screen. That, this is a, a a guy. He's a he's a manager. He's a Chinese uh, uh, guy that's uh, manages a travel agency, and uh, it was so funny. Yeah, as you talk about insecure as a leader. Uh, Where he where he had this ran this company in China, they didn't have they don't have Facebook, but they have kind of a Chinese equivalent to it. And he decided that he wanted to make these posts on his Facebook page. And when he would do that, he would do it during company time, but he would have the employees, he would do something he thought was a profound statement, he would post it on the Facebook page, and they would, he would have one of his employees read it over the loudspeaker, so the entire, and then every single employee, all 200 of them, were to comment on that quote, and he did that all day long, And again, a lot of it was about wanting affirmation. And And what was so interesting is at the end of the day when he was looking at the comments, uh, most of the people just gave it a thumbs up, just gave it a like, you know. And uh, very few people actually. And he he was so upset that he didn't get a lot of lavish feedback from his employees. He fined them. All 200 of them. He fined them for not giving him the kind of feedback that he was looking for. That's a case study in insecurity. Insecurity comes out as leaders when, when we're afraid of being wrong. Uh, insecurity comes out as leaders when, when we're afraid that someone else may get the attention and we might not. Insecurity comes out when we have a lot of self-doubts about ourselves and are afraid people are going to find out that we're really a, a fraud at doing this. Insecure people have control issues. Now, that ought make several of us go home and say, hmm, okay, okay. Um, Insecurity is about the fact that I have a need to be right. Now, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm just going to bare my heart to you for a second. You know, when, when I got into marriage and ministry, um, my wife would be the first one to jump up on the pew and give you a hearty amen that I brought a lot of baggage with me. <laughs> um, I, I came from a, a fairly dysfunctional family, and, and I didn't really know a lot about leading. And a lot of my leadership was out of my insecurity, and a part of the insecurity is it uh, was always having the need to be the smartest one in the room. And whenever I would be in a meeting or I would be with a group of people, I felt like I had to be the one that had, had the, you know, the, right, the right answer. And, um, and I think this is one of the reasons that God gives us a spouse sometimes, uh, is my wife assured me that I was not the smartest one in the room. In fact, in her loving, gentle way, she assured me that I am never the smartest one in any room that I am ever in. Look at me, <laughs> and neither are you. Because here's the deal. No matter what room you're in or what group of people you're with, someone in that room, is, everyone in that room is smarter than you in something. Are you hearing me? Everyone in the room is smarter than you about something. And, and that's why as leaders, we have to be open to the input that other people have. We have to be open to the ideas that other people have. We have to, we have to be open to when people make mistakes, that that's okay and that we give them, we give them grace. Uh, I throw this up on the screen. I love this passage from Proverbs. Read it out loud with me. Proverbs 19, 11. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Now, see, a part of our insecurity sometimes wants to point out the flaws in other people because it diverts the attention away from us. We sometimes try to make ourselves feel bigger by pointing out how small other people are. Does this make sense to you? And I, and I want to confess to you, you know, we as pastors are not, are not above that at all. Um, several years ago, I was, I was at, a, at a church. I was not the guest speaker. I just happened to be attending the church that day. And as it came time for the pastor to come out uh, to, to get up to speak, um, they had a, an open stage, much like ours, but the pastor preached from a, a podium like, like Pastor Will does. And they, they brought a, a they, they were supposed to bring, somebody was supposed to bring a podium out. Well, they didn't, they didn't bring it out. And I'll never forget watching this pastor step up on stage and stand here. And did this for a moment. And then he said, Well, I guess I'll get my own podium today. (laughs) And he walked over and brought the podium over. Look at me, I just want you to hear my heart. I don't care what role you're in, I don't care what title you wear, I don't care what position you find. That's bad leadership. He humiliated an individual in front of an entire crowd. And I just want to tell you, that's not the Jesus way. Amen? Amen. Uh, Secondly, when we talk about being a servant leader, seek to win people's hearts, not their obedience. Seek to win people's hearts, not their obedience. When you're really wanting people to, to follow you, when you're really wanting to have influence with people, it, you, you can't demand their obedience. You can't demand their respect. Respect is something that earned. Followership is a gift that they give to you. So what you want to seek to do is you want to seek to win their hearts. It's so interesting to me. Every once in a while, I'll get a, you know, I'll get a, a husband that you know be in my office and talks about, you know, I, I want my wife to start submitting to me. And I want to look at them and say, dude, I've been wanting that for years and years and years. <laughs> and if you find a magic potion for that, I'll buy all you got, you know. But what I share with husbands is this. Stop working to get your wife to come in line. Love her. Love her as if she's the only woman in the world. Love her as if you would lay down your life for her. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for Because when you love people in that way, you know what? I've discovered that people want to follow you when you love them like that. Amen? That's why I threw that statement on your outline. Put that up here for me. You know, lead in a manner that makes people want to follow you. I love, several years ago, I heard John Maxwell make this statement. He said, you know what? The moment you have to tell people you're the leader, you're not. (laughs) If you've got to tell them, I'm the leader here, you know what? You're not. But if you win their hearts, They'll follow you anywhere. There's a great, great story in the Old Testament about King David. King David was a fascinating leader who loved his people, loved his men, just just ferocious. I mean, he just was ferocious in his loyalty to his people, and he would do anything for them. And there's a great story when they were at the, the cave of Adullam, and the, the Philistines have the, the city of Bethlehem occupied. And they're sitting there, and you can almost see him. It's a camp. They're having this campfire, and they're talking. And David just kind of makes this comment. He says, you know, man, I would give anything. I'd give anything for a drink of water from that well in Bethlehem. You know, and they were just kind of well, David had this group. They were called the mighty men. There were 30 of them. But there were these three that were the, the real you know, tough dudes of all the tough dudes. I mean, they were like his special forces, guys. And these three heard what David said, and they did the unthinkable. They, got, they sneaked their way to the Philistine, to, to Bethlehem. They fought their way through the Philistine forces. They got water out of that well, fought their way out, and brought it back to King David. And I can remember reading this story, thinking to myself, how much love do people have to have for a leader like that to risk their lives to do something for him? And you've got to see David's response to know how precious this was to him. Because when they gave him this water, you can see these guys—they're tired, they're dirty, they're you know they're they, they maybe cut up or whatever from the from fighting—and they give this this bucket of water to David, and David takes this water and he looks at these guys, and you can just see the tears rolling down his face as he looks at these men who are so tenaciously loyal, and he said, "This water is as precious to me as the blood of these men who risked their lives on my behalf. It's so sacred." I can't begin to drink it. And David poured it out as a drink offering before God. It was the highest honor he could pay those guys. How about the people that you have influence? Do they know how dearly you love them? Uh, There was a quote by... um, Maya Angelou, some years ago, put that up on the screen for me. She said, you know what? I've learned that people will forget what you said, and people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you make them feel. And that is so true. That is so true. Let me give you one more. This is an obvious one, but I think one that we need to remind ourselves of, and that is model what you want from those you lead. Model what you want from those you lead. (laughs) Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's Abraham McGee, 25-year-old, lives in Florida. Um, Had a great job, but um, his boss started giving him some just words of uh, wisdom and some suggestions on how he needed to be better, but um, Abraham didn't listen to him. And so along the way, he ends up losing his job. Now, he had a good job. He made good money, but his uh, desires were, <laughs> exceeded his income, and so he had gotten himself in about $30,000 debt, and so now he's out of a job and has that much debt. He's trying to figure out what to do, so he thinks, oh, I'll do something really smart. I'll rob a bank. Throw that picture up on the screen. So he disguises himself as an old man, walks into a chase bank with a fake gun, and demands ten thousand dollars which they give him and he leaves he gets away within the hour I mean literally within 55 minutes he takes that money to a casino where he quickly loses three thousand of the ten thousand he just got trying to make that so he thinks gosh I got away with this once I can do it again so he goes back to another bank the following week, same thing, same disguise, goes in, demands money. This time I think he demanded twenty or $30,000. And uh, he, they, they give him the money, but he gets caught because they get him on, on security camera. They get, a, they get a car and they link it to him. So, so he gets caught. Now he's standing before the judge and he's pleading his case. And so he's standing before the judge and he says, I admit it, I'm horrible with money. I've never been able to manage my money well. And uh, i d- digging holes for myself. And my boss told me this was gonna happen. And I just throw myself on the mercy of the court and and it was so interesting but what was the kicker in all of this was what he did for a living he was a financial advisor (laughs) now how many of you would trust your money with a guy like that now I saw that thought. you know what so often when we talk about leadership leadership is not about telling people where to go and what to do leadership is modeling for people the way to live that's why I love how Paul framed it. I'll throw that passage up on the screen for me. I love this. Read it out loud with me. Follow my example as I follow the example of, of Christ. It's modeling it. Look at me. You know, one of the things particularly, we talk about being a teacher. We talk about being a, a, a pastor. When we talk about being a parent or a grandparent. We talk about being a, a supervisor in an office or, or those kinds of things. You've got to understand that we create the culture around us by the way that we act and live. I heard this years ago, and it is so true. You see, you can teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. Amen. Let me give you one last thought this morning. View your leadership in whatever capacity it is as an entrustment from God. View it as an entrustment from God. Remember where we started today? Leadership is a gift from God. Throw that passage up on the screen. Paul wrote to the Roman church, and he said, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. Read it with me. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility. Take it how? Now, on your outline, I just want you to circle that word. Now, here's my question to you. Have you really given thought to the influence that you have? got an email um, a week ago from a gal in her uh, 40s that um, emailed me about uh, getting uh, s- some copies of my my book. And uh, it was a gal that I, I met when I was a youth pastor here at Chartel uh, back in the 80s. I was the speaker at uh, a camp in another state. And that week as I spoke, I had a chance to get to know this young lady. Um, she had a lot of... Uh, a lot of self-esteem issues. She was a, a really big gal, uh, very overweight. She uh, was uh, semi-depressed. Uh, she just had very low self-esteem, had no self-confidence. And that week, we had a, a couple of different conversations, and I was trying to help her see herself through the eyes of God. And one afternoon, we had this conversation, and it was kind of a, a breakthrough conversation where the lights came on, and she got it. And, uh, and it was really cool because I saw her over the next couple of days of camp kind of uh, blossom a bit and, and be able to come out. It was kind of, a, kind of a cool thing. Well, in her email to me, she referred back. I mean, this is just a week ago. She referred back to that event, which is 30-some years ago now. And she talked about how that event was a life-altering event for her. Now, as I read her email, I was was thankful and grateful for the opportunity and the role I got to play in her life. Here's here's the part I want you to get. When I was at that camp, when I was having that conversation to her, there was no thought in my mind about how significant this conversation was going to be. This is the part I want you to get. You see, we don't always get to pick our defining moments in leadership. You never know when that conversation with your child may be the conversation that steers them in the direction that they need to have. You never know when coming alongside of that student in your classroom may be that word of encouragement you give them that forever alters the course of their life and gives them exactly what they need to take a whole different path. You never know when coming alongside of an employee at work and noticing how they're struggling and just being able to give them some words of wisdom or advice or just letting them know they're not alone. You have no idea when these kinds of moments forever change the trajectory of people's lives. You see, sometimes leadership on all levels is something we get really careless with and we can't. Because when you're a parent, when you're a grandparent, when you're a teacher, when you're a pastor, when you're involved in leadership, when you have influence in another student's life, your words carry more power than you know. And you can lift them, you can change them, you can help them, or you can crush them. And one day we get to stand before God. And we get to answer for how we handled this gift called leadership. Amen. Rachel, why don't you go ahead and come on up? I'm gonna ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and just take your positions. And, and uh, as we close this morning, and today I, I want to invite you to um, a time of response, and I don't want to do something just maybe a little bit different than we would normally do. We have four different prayer partners who are kind of in all corners of the room here that would be more than happy to pray with you personally um, about anything you would like them to pray about. It could be a personal family need. It could be for someone else. It doesn't have to do. doesn't have to be anything relating to what I said today. Just someone that you would just like to have someone pray with you, and that's what they're there for, and you, I want you to feel free to take advantage of that while Rachel leads us in this song. But... The song that Rachel's going to lead us in is a song that talks about, I want more of Jesus. This song talks about the servant leadership that Jesus took when he came from heaven to earth. And, and that's the kind of leader I want to be. And I hope that's the kind of leader that you want to be. And During these next few moments, I, I, I just want to challenge you, right where you're seated, to be able to just lean into God and say, Lord, I, I want to be the kind of servant leader that you can use. In my home, in my school, on my job, wherever I find myself, I I want to lead like you led. I want to lay down my life for those I'm leading the way you laid your life down for me. And you can do that right where you are. You can pray with one prayer. But I'm going to give you one other option this morning. Um, I'm going to be here at the front, and I've got just a little flask of anointing oil. In the Old Testament, when God called someone to lead, they would anoint them with oil. And the symbol behind that is that the oil represented the Holy Spirit of God. The realization that I can't do this, God, unless you empower me to do this. And there may be some of you who would just like me to just anoint you this morning. and To say, Pastor Steve, as a parent, grandparent, as a leader, wherever I am. I want to lead as an anointed leader of God. I need him to lead through me. And if that fits for you while we're singing the song, I'm just going to invite you to slip out and come, and I'm going to stand here at the front, and I'm just going to dab your forehead with a little oil and just ask God to bless you as you become his servant leader. Our Father, this morning as we come before you, um, how thankful we are, Lord Jesus, that you didn't uh, just tell us from afar how we were to live, you came and you showed us how to live. And Father, I pray today that for each and every one of us, in whatever capacity we find ourselves leading in, whether we're only leading two or three or whether we're leading hundreds or thousands, Father, we pray that we would do it with a heart that would represent you. You didn't come to be served, but to serve us and to give your life as a ransom for many. May that be our heart. May that be our spirit. May we lead like you led. Lord Jesus, one day when we stand before you and we get to look back on this life we've lived, our prayer is that we'll see the faces of those, God, that you put in our charge and we'll know. No, we didn't do it perfectly, but to the best of our ability, with the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, we led them well. We love you, Father. Thank you this morning. In your precious name we pray, and everyone said, amen.